stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, it promises to be a tryout like no other, even if the outcome seems all but certain. Drug ping, uh, kingpin El Chapo uh, is going to face trial on numerous charges in the U.S. Following what, uh, of course, was a very long manhunt and a very dramatic capture. Story told in the book, Hunting El Chapo, the inside story of the American lawman who captured the world's most wanted drug lord. And joining us to talk about this upcoming trial is the co-author of that uh, aforementioned book, uh, author and journalist uh, Douglas Century. Douglas, great to have you with us here. How are you doing? Rob, thanks a lot for having me back. Uh, native Calgarian here, but it's That's a rainy right. day in New York. Well, it's a snowy rainy. day in Calgary, so <laughs> maybe, I'd, maybe I I'd take that. I've heard, yeah. Uh, so th- this trial is uh, going to happen in Brooklyn, right? Yeah, so he's been held in Manhattan at a place called 10 South. With, with, they call it Little Gitmo. It's the most secure, maximum security uh, facility they have. And they've been shutting down the Brooklyn Bridge, which is just quite quite a nightmare, just to take him a very short distance to Brooklyn. Uh, apparently today, uh, this was the late breaking news, they're going to keep him in Brooklyn all week. Because it's quite an inconvenience to shut the Brooklyn Bridge twice a day. People were getting very irate on Twitter, I noticed. Like, thanks, Chapo, for ruining my commute again. Right. Um, so, yeah, the security is just unprecedented. And uh, he's, his trial is in the federal district, which is actually the Brooklyn courthouse, although they have been holding him in Manhattan. Uh, he's, he's been under 23-hour-a-day lockdown. It's a, it's about the biggest spectacle anybody's ever seen. Uh, I'm sure it's it's made the news there a bit. They have a, a paramilitary-style operation moving him each time. They shut the bridge. They have motorcades. And even in the heyday of the Italian mafia, John Gotti and Vincent the Chindigotti, they just moved those guys in police cars. They didn't shut down traffic all over the place. So it is quite a spectacle. And this is just for the voir dire of the jury selection. Right. There, you know, uh, and the latest, there's only five pool reporters. I'm not one of them, unfortunately. Um, but they've got these jurors that are coming, you know, he's wearing a suit. He's not in his prison jumpsuit. And they're about 10 feet away. And what I'm reading today is quite a few have expressed concerns about the safety of themselves and their families. And they've got a thousand uh, prospective jurors. I don't think they've been paneled one yet. A lot of people have been dismissed for having heard about him. Uh, People have actually apparently said, I'm concerned that he murders jurors. Well, yeah. Not to laugh about it, but, yeah, it's going to be very difficult, I think, for them to find 12 people who haven't heard something about Sean Penn or this has been pop culture now for a couple of years. So quite a spectacle. Yeah, it's going to be. But when you talk about just how unprecedented all of this is, and there's really never been somebody like this on trial. Maybe a parallel might have been if, if Pablo Escobar had been captured and extradited, but obviously that didn't happen. But, you know, it doesn't get any bigger than this, does it? No, and usually there have been big narcos. I mean, nobody up the stature. I, I really think you made the right analogy. The pa- Pablo Escobar was the 1980s version, and, and I think I argue that El Chapo is... Chapo Guzman is, in a sense, bigger because he lasted longer and he, he maintained a, a lower profile and was a Forbes billionaire for many years. Uh, but yet they've never had, usually when they extradite a big narco, a big drug kingpin, he flips. He doesn't usually try to beat the case at trial. 
and he gives up somebody. And the problem for, for Chapo is that a lot of his lower, some of these guys were big narcos in their own right, a guy named Damaso Lopez, who was a, um, who helped him break out of his first prison break, um, actually a trained lawyer and a, and a security official, became a narco himself. He was captured and extradited and is apparently one of the witnesses. So they always give up somebody higher in the food chain. And the problem for uh, Joaquin Guzman, El Chapo, is that he's at the top of the food chain. There's nobody for him to give up. So I think his, his lawyers have no choice but to, uh, you know, if he pled guilty, he'd be doing hundreds of years, which mm-hmm. he may face at trial. So their best case is to try to, that poke holes in what is apparently a hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of tapes and documents that nobody's even sure what's what is this mountain of evidence, but it's it's, it's quite a feat. Uh, yeah, there's never been anything like this in terms of the security precautions or in the terms of a trial of a uh, a man accused of being the biggest narco trafficker in the world. They've never done this before. Well, and it's important to, to put him on trial and, you know, show to the world who he is and secure that conviction. But obviously, Doug, this is a kind of nightmare scenario where if somehow the prosecution fails, they stumble, something weird happens. I mean, what could they possibly do if, you know, if this trial goes sideways? Well, from what I've read, and again, there's nobody that can tell you definitively because all the cooperating witnesses uh, are blacked out. But what I've read is, it's 17 counts. It, it involves, they tried to weave in 33 murders, and the judge said, look, this is a drug trafficking case that involves murder. Don't try to turn it into a murder case involving drugs. Right. Um, they've got guys, there were these two brothers in Chicago who ran most of the cocaine, named the Flores brothers. They're twins. They've flipped, apparently. Then he's got major people in his organization. Um, it's hard for me to imagine that all of these people coming forward under protection, testifying against him. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I think your producer asked me uh, off air, what would be the possible defense? I don't think they've got much other than to hope to maybe, uh, this is a bad choice of words, hang the jury, uh, maybe get one reasonable doubt somewhere in there. Um, but I don't know what other option he has except to try to fight it because, as I said, if he he were to plead guilty, he's not got anybody to give up. And um, he'll end up in that, probably in that place where John Gotti died, which is called Florence, one of these supermax prisons that there's no, uh, quite a life. He went from being roaming free in Mexico with billions of dollars to being 23 hours a day in a tiny concrete cell, which, by the way, there's no tunneling out of these ones. No, I wouldn't think they're, they're so. Keep, they're keeping them. They're, they're keeping them on upper floors. <laughs> no, I was. I was still going to say. So you mentioned there's 17 criminal counts in this trial. So it, it's largely drug trafficking, money laundering. Uh, but what about the conspiracy to murder aspect? Is is that part of what he is on trial for? Yeah, there are apparently murder. Uh, there are murders uh, that he's accused of ordering. Uh, there's apparently he was without getting into too much of, like, the internecine, uh, you know, the various cartels. You know, Chapo was actually a guy that survived for so long, not by being the most bloodthirsty, but by bribing the most people. He had everybody greased, as they say, you mm-hmm. know, in the government. And But the Zetas, who are the uh, Zed, would be their, their initial in British and Canadian, uh, the Zetas were former uh, special forces who went bad, 
and they went to a big war with him. Apparently, what I read in one of the documents, and nobody can tell you again for sure, is that uh, he, he he's accused in in one of these counts of personally having his guys beat beat the living crap out of uh, some of the Zetas and then they, personally pulling the trigger. That would be something if they had that, because I, I usually a boss like him is ordering murders. Although, you know, he loves to carry around his AR-15 machine gun, and um, he certainly is a man known for violence. Although, you know, yeah, I think it's, it's – uh, the, the bulk of what they're trying to get him on is – and this is astounding – hundreds and hundreds – of tons of cocaine and you know i think it's 14 billion in asset forfeitures so it's it's, you know just on the cocaine uh importation and the money laundering which is in the hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars that would put you away for life um and yeah the murders will probably come in the judge was careful to try he's not being charged as a murderer he's being charged as a with conspiracy uh primarily as the, the the biggest narco trafficker to ever see the light of day in America, in American justice. That's yeah. uh, so what about Andrew Hogan? Of course, the DE agent at the center uh, of the book, Hunting El Chapel, your co-author on this book. Is is he going to, to be called to testify at all? Is, is he going to be uh, a part of this? I think he'd prefer not to. He hasn't received any notice of that. There are, uh, I think there's probably a couple of law enforcement people involved. But again, from what I've read, they have hundreds of hours of tapes and, uh, you know, to bring forward a DEA man or a local cop who will say, well, you know, we had him on wiretap saying this, when they've got the guys who were in the room who yeah. are going to testify, it's like when um, Sammy the Bull Gravana rolled over on John Gotti and, you know, they didn't need the police. They had some, but they didn't need the police to say, well, we had wiretaps of him saying this. They've got his, his underboss in the room saying it. So, um and, you know, our book really is about the tracking of how they broke the infrastructure, how they broke down the communications and located him. And the the crimes that he's gone on trial for now in Brooklyn are, uh, again, importation of hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of tons and, and money laundering. So I don't think they need Andrew's presence, and I'm sure he'd prefer not to, given that everybody who's coming into that courthouse are being led by U.S. Marshals, and the jury is going to be anonymous. Imagine four months of your life, uh, you're supposed to be anonymous and sequestered. I don't know how they're going to find people who are willing to do that and happy to do that. But um, no, I think I'd prefer not to, to be involved in the in the prosecution. They certainly have law enforcement uh, information that their, their case against him is so airtight, I'm sure at this point, that um, that would just be icing on the cake. Yeah, it would. Uh, so the books, there's been a lot of interest in the book, obviously, and we spoke to you when it came out. Uh, wh- what's going on with the, the movie side? Uh, uh, apparently a, a screenwriter is uh, working on a script. I mean, Hollywood takes the wheels move slowly. It's like turning a, a battleship. Apparently a screenwriter's writing the script now. And, you know, I think our take on the Chapo story is interesting in that it's the, it's the tracking from the point of view of of the law enforcement guys who really had to get inside his world rather than, I mean, Netflix uh, has done quite a fascinating series, which is mostly fiction from what I've watched uh, of Chapel's side of it. But I think that the, the interesting thing is the manhunt, the, the, the sort of classic yeah. Western of the lawman who goes and catches the uncastable. Because remember, for, for 13 years, Chapel was 
was was a free man, and really uh, he could have lived out his life in in the mountains of Mexico. Uh, probably he's already sixty one, but he could, he probably would never have seen the light of day if it weren't for Andrew and this team from DEA and Homeland Security. They did one heck of a job catching him. That's for sure. They did indeed. Well, the book is called Hunting El Chapel, the inside story of the American lawman who captured the world's most wanted drug lord. Douglas Century, thank you so much for joining us here today. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Rob. I appreciate you having me on as usual. All right. Take care. Douglas Century, uh, author, journalist, uh, native Galgarian as well. As you mentioned, it is quite a story and it's going to be quite a trial. Uh, there was uh, one photo, I, I think it was from Reuters, this one I'm looking at here. Where, yeah, I mean, it, it looks like something out of Mamou. They got the Brooklyn Bridge closed to traffic in order to get this guy from the jail to the courthouse. And it's uh, quite a, a motorcade uh, that's that's moving this guy. Understandably so. I, I guess to keep him from getting away, I guess also maybe to keep others from, who might be inclined to want to take him out. So it is going to be quite a trial, unprecedented, right? It's hard to think of other examples of somebody of that stature who has stood in front of a judge in the U.S. court system. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.